how can we rethink what the standards are for immersion. We don't hide things. The kitchen's open. We take people through the downstairs into the cellar. It's, it's basically your home. You know, it's that heritage of place, capturing this time and being able to really share that. Hello there. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, for season three of our series, where we soak in the senses of the summer and linger a little longer as we dive into refreshing conversations with creators and curators from around the world who know a thing or two about good hospitality, good gastronomy, good times, and good vibes. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Matt Leitner, a world-renowned and awarded chef with a passion for bringing people closer to nature through his innovative farming, immersive dining, and sensorial hospitality experiences. His latest venture as chef and partner of the newly opened Tributary Hotel and its adjoining restaurant, Okta, blends all of this together in the perfect presentation of what makes the Pacific Northwest region so rich, a place Matt lovingly calls home and invites guests to do. Matt, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company. Hi, how's it going? So good to have you on. I know you're very busy as you get everything up and running for your summer season, so appreciate you taking the time. And now, before we get to know your boutique luxury hotel paired with your progressive culinary experience, we, of course, want to get to know you. So can you tell us about yourself, what inspired you to become a chef, and some of your adventures and awards you picked up along your early career? I'm originally from outside of Omaha, Nebraska. I started getting into the food and beverage business when I was really young, around 14. And it was mostly from necessity teenage kid, want to make some money. You know, I was always like really terrible at school. So I kind of found this path to cooking, which really allowed me to use my hands. One of my passions was I loved seeing people go out and to experience. And, and uh, it really started really early for me, like watching my mom's family go out to restaurants and how they would gather and, and enjoy themselves. So I always felt really comfortable and really included in the restaurant business. And so that's kind of where that stemmed from. And then when I was 18 years old, I moved up to the Pacific Northwest with my sister. I went to culinary school up here, did a multitude of different jobs, from being a back waiter to a bar back to uh, a cook. And, you know, I've always been really fortunate. And this isn't like the typical path. I've had a very different path. You know, when I was 19, I got asked to be a head chef at a Greek restaurant. And so from like 19 years on to basically until I was 20, I don't know, 26, 27, I've always, I always just kind of cooked my own food with whatever kind of guidelines there were. You know, and when I was 27, I applied to go to Spain. Uh, I was right at the beginning of like the whole El Bouilly explosion and these notes of experiential dining, molecular gastronomy wasn't even coined yet at the time. And so I was really intrigued. You know, I was, I always wanted to be a part of something that was just like 
incredibly like futuristic and progressive. And so then I went to Spain. I worked at Moritz for about two years and then traveled Europe a little bit before coming back to Portland and, and doing kind of the reinvention of Castagna, best new chef, food and wine. And then shortly after, you know, I got approached to open and to create this restaurant called the Terra in New York. In six months, we got two Michelin stars. And I was there for a while. Yeah, and then just kind of post that kind of period, uh, just took a little time away to really just reassess what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. And of course, Oregon has always been my home. It's where all my friends lived. It's where some of my family moved to. It's where, you know, kind of that coming of age. And, you know, from the time where I, I moved to Oregon, you know, in 1998, it was just starting to kind of blossom as this like wine and food hub. And it was really rooted in Pacific Northwest products. And, and now in just a few decades, you've seen it kind of just totally, totally change. And I always just felt this like longing to come back and to open some kind of destination that we could put this area in the international conversations of some of the greaty, greater dining places in the world. And, and it has, we're big into nature, right? And so we're big into connecting people back into nature because we feel like it's, uh, it's our path to better mental health, better health, better intrinsic health in general. And so if you look at just our regions that we have, in Oregon, it's just the levels of inputs and the levels of explorations and products from the valleys to the coast to the mountains to the high deserts. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary. But still, it's kind of like a black hole for a lot of people in the United States. You, you're either in California or you go visit up in Washington or some other different places. But it truly does have what every other great food and wine region has. Well, and I love that you are exploring that and sharing that on a national platform. So before we get into more about your Oregon experience, I'm curious, what was the fine dining scene like in New York City? What did you like about it? And what really made you want to return, like you said, to Oregon? The reality is when I was approached to go and open this restaurant, the goal was to like open a two or three Michelin restaurant. I knew at the time that that was definitely possible, right? There, you know, there's a point of view, there's attention to detail, there's, you know, a passion that kind of like makes all that work. But I didn't want to go to New York. I was really anti going to New York. And finally, at the last minute, I was kind of convinced. And then I kind of convinced myself because I was just, I was just turning 30 years old. It was kind of now or never, and let's see really what happens. And so it was actually like all, all like New York City experiences, yeah. like really beautiful, challenging. You know, the city packs in so many different emotions. Days in New York are kind of like how weeks will be. And we're in McMinnville now. And a day in New York is like a week in McMinnville. So, and uh, yeah, so really special. The food scene was pretty incredible because it was probably for one of the very first times where you started to see this like influx of chefs that weren't just New York chefs, right? And so, you know, you had Danny Bowen, Andy Ricker, a few other chefs coming there. I I was there. 
It's truly an inspiring place. It's about the ingredients. It's about the precision. It's about the experience of dining. Um, so it really pushes you to new, new levels. So I, I lived in New York City for five years as well myself, and I gave myself that time frame to really enjoy New York to its fullest, knowing that then I want to take all those learnings, that grit, that appreciation for, for food and different cultures and, and take it elsewhere with me and to see the world. So I love that you took that as such a, a pivotal moment in your career and your personal life. But then as you returned to Oregon and you settled down and you have a farm down the road where you do a lot of innovation, can you share more about what that particular experience is that drew you back? You know, it's interesting because post New York, you know, you really do get removed from nature. And even though we are nature, humans aren't separate from nature, even though for some reason we, uh, we think we are. You know, you, you do commit, you do miss that like innate connection. And so it really took me quite a few years to, to feel reconnected and re-inspired by nature. It was like it, you know, I went on a real specific trajectory that pushed me further and further away. And it took a lot longer to kind of come back to it. And so it was there, you know, in between there was a whole process of that. But, you know, there's always that kind of gut instinct, that kind of like internal, like internal craving to be closer. And, you know, it's been a goal my entire life to be able to grow our own products, to be able to explore nature through a totally different lens. You know, not not in a, a market or in a box, or but really get to explore the imagination of the unseen that you can't really understand or see why the biology and how that's affecting you, affecting your ideas. And then you just kind of have this really kind of beautiful relationship with the products. Also, your time away from it then made you realize what you were missing and have so much more appreciation for that proximity to nature and being able to have it right at your doorstep to be able to then create beautiful dishes out of. And so for you, you know, we're also familiar with this farm to table concept, but in your opinion, how does food, the dishes you prepare, pair with nature itself? Our underlining philosophy is to, you know, there's a lot of different forms of cuisine so a farm to table just depends on kind of what level it's at. You have the very casual sense where it is that best local seasonal product. Uh, it's the best way to eat, the most flavorful foods that you're going to have. You also have kind of, you know, when Renee and Andoni and Michelle Bra really kind of revolutionize kind of almost biomimicry through nature and how to like on a plate really express a region. So then there's kind of like really that form. And then for us, it really is, you know, as we study more about biology, study more about regenerative farming, study more about kind of like the human element of that as well, our underlining philosophies are connecting people with all these different levels of inputs from these different various biological entities, right? A lot of the things that you can't see, like coming and eating and experience at Okta or staying in tributary. You're, you're like doing more than just like eating food. You're absorbing so many more of these like organisms that are kind of like, in a sense, like the mycelium of like our communication. 
I love that there's a story behind it and for your guests to know to ask questions and to learn more about the product on their plate or in front of them as they're surrounded throughout the hotel. And so wanting to turn specifically to the hotel itself, how did you find yourself extending into the world of hospitality? What personally attracted you to this kind of career and lifestyle, not just behind the scenes in the kitchen, but really forward facing with the hospitality component? I think it should all be really connected. Even though it's my job, it's also like a blessing that I'm already incredibly immersed into the land, the building blocks of the building, you know, the creative part of it. So it's really exciting. And that's that's how that's what people want. People want that kind of immersive experience. And so for us it was about how can we rethink what the standards are for immersion, right? And we don't hide things. The kitchen's open. Uh, we take people through the downstairs into the cellar. It's, it's basically your home. Uh, and that was kind of our goal when I met my partner, Sean and Katie. It really was to like, you know, it's that heritage of place, you know, it's like capturing this time and being able to like really share that. And what we really wanted to do is to give people that like inside look into the valley, right? Like if you're staying at Tributary, you're basically living here. So you have access. It's always about access, but access done in this like really thoughtful way. Well, and it just sparks so much curiosity around every corner, I'm sure. I mean, that's kind of like the hope, right? Curiosity is a really interesting thing. So being a creative person, you know, leading with curiosity really kind of helps build momentum. And, you know, through curiosity, can you can find understandings, you know, and you can find connectedness. You can have that conversation and, and exactly have that sense of understanding and, and learning to then take with you wherever else your guests may go. And so having just opened a year ago, can you share more about how you and your partners found the 100-year-old building and really the history behind the building itself? So I actually met Sean and Katie when they've they've already found the building. So I'm, I'm a little post that time. Can't take you know, the credit. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Not at all for that. No, Sean and Katie have, have this, you know, have fallen in love with the Willamette Valley they also want to contribute into its long future ahead of itself as this emerging kind of wine region and done in a very respectful, historic way. And so I believe when this building came up for sale, it's an old hardware building. But I believe the time they took it was like uh, maybe like a dance studio was here. And then there were some studios above where people were living at the time and just kind of like you know, it was showing its age, it needed a lot of restoration, like a lot of the other places do on this third street here. And it really kind of just matched the goal of what they were trying to do. And really still trying to, you know, by adding the rooms upstairs, really start to hold on to like, this was people, you know, people's homes and, and to be able to like, you know, there's so many of these really beautiful historic places in the world that people can't stay in they can't you know sleep in and uh, to be able to have that ability and to be able to be like a really uh homage to the history of this area it's pretty cool 
Amazing. I'm always walking by old buildings or dilapidated buildings wondering, oh, what was that? Or, oh, I wish I could see that in its glory days. And so by restoring it and renovating it, you allow people to then, to your point, in everything you do, immerse into that. And so what was that renovation and restoration process like? What vision did the three of you have in what it would become for your guests? When Sean and Katie uh, and myself met, it was really kind of on the vergence of they wanted to create boutique hotel that was actually already under construction and design. And the focus was to bring, you know, like how can we bring history and luxury and immersive hospitality all together? And then that's where I kind of like entered in to it as well. And so as far as like some of the designs and, and how it was, it has to be, you know, there's so many different ways you can like look at things, right? You can build brand new buildings and make them as modern. You can make them for 2050. You can make them for 2025 or you can make them for 2023. And so for here, their goal was really to protect some of that, some of just the natural feel and design of the building, right? So there's a very craftsman attention to detail through the rooms. Um, and we talked for because Okta kind of has this more modern, natural, simple to really allow the food to shine. But at the hotel was really to try to get these eight rooms. So you really felt the sense of place and that kind of timelessness of it. And for me, that worked, that's really exciting, right? Because you have, because now when it comes to immersive experience that you can travel your guests through these multiple different types of experiences. And it's a really, you know, it's a really, it's, it's not a big property. It's, it's small, but you can have all these really intimate, but very unique experiences throughout like just a few days you could stay here. Well, and to that point with each room being different with your menu being different, you can come back time and time again and always learn and see and experience something new. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and for here too, it was just like some of these timeless buildings, there's like so much nostalgia that's in, in it that you want to feel these certain things. And so, you know, when you move out of the, the historic part of it, there is a lot of new. And so like craving that like historic essence of it, but then also having the tension points that were very progressive in the food that we're doing, we believe makes it very exciting. Absolutely. And so can you share more about what inspired the name of both the hotel and the restaurant? Any special significance behind either of those? Yeah. So tributary, a couple of different things. It was really, uh, you know, looking at all the different waterways and water systems of the Willamette Valley because they're very, very unique uh, and they provide the geological landscape, which is the Willamette Valley or Oregon. So there's so much history around that, the waterways. And then the next is really to pay tribute to this area and this region. And so it kind of fits in really, really well with this old hardware building, the historic Third Street, McMinnville, um, really kind of playing tribute to that. Amazing. And what about for the restaurant? You know, when we started to decide kind of the level, uh, like the culinary experience that you would have, you know, we started to, we would write down like 
what did we want people to feel when they came here and it would be the soul and we we're always like the soul or the magic like the unspoken magic of the northwest and we would say like the soul of the unseen and like we're so hyper look at look down at the ground as like the microorganisms and everything like that and then one day we're just basically looking up and being like it really is through all the filtered light that creates such unique region and so okta is our interpretation of the meteorological guide of cloud cover and so for us it really is like you're getting everything here done through our lens or through our cover of clouds that's so fascinating how you tie in nature in a subtle way you know, again, leading to that curiosity, you might not know what those words mean, or you might not think that tributary is really paying tribute and homage to the, the locale of your hotel. But then in asking these questions and having this conversation, you have so much more appreciation for it. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself, a host, looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. And so it's time for us all to take a trip to your meticulously restored building as it stands today. So can you paint us a picture of the Tributary Hotel first? As we walk through the charming town to the entrance of the building, what can we expect to experience inside? Third Street's really beautiful. It's lined with these really tall, beautiful trees. There's a lot of history and a lot of like age on the buildings. And when you start coming close to where the tributary in Oak to Aris is large brown, you know, stone brick building. And it's very unique in how it really looks almost like a, a brownstone in New York or in Brooklyn. You see a door and it has tributary on there. And it's very quaint. You could almost miss it if we don't have our valet guys out there. It's somewhat hidden because it is still destination. Like, how can you be immersed in McMinnville and have that like VIP experience, but still feel like you're removed? And so there's a door and this beautiful stairway and white oak floors takes you up to the lobby. And so there's just a lot of different details inside from beautiful photos of our farm, the photos of all the different rivers that all the different rooms are that are named after. And so we have a few different types of rooms. We have a, a couple large suites and the large suites are sit directly above the restaurant, which are in the uh, building right next to us, right next to the, uh, the tributary or the hardware building because it's two separate buildings. And you're really able to see the exposed wall, brick wall in these two rooms. These are two, I'm sitting in one now, actually. It's pretty magical. Uh, and then in the other rooms, it does, it has these beautiful fireplaces, these really comfortable furniture. There's beautiful art that's all based on kind of nature and the rivers. And then what we wanted to do was that you had all the details, you know, the beautiful ceramics, the beautiful glassware, all the different local snacks that you could have. Like you could really go in and be like, I could just kind of live here for a while. This could be my apartment here in McMinnville. And that, that's kind of the idea 
that we wanted to do. We want to bring those really beautiful aspects of a hotel, which are the people who work at the hotel, who take care of all your needs, every single need. But we also wanted you to feel like you were borrowing a friend's apartment for the weekend. That's kind of some of the senses and feelings that you'll have here. I don't know what it is about exposed brick. Maybe it's the fact that we've come from New York that makes it feel so charming to see that exposed brick. But that's always something I I love and look for in old restored buildings. And so you mentioned several of the different amenities and sourcing from local purveyors and artists and businesses. Can you share more about how those craftspeople align with your values and beliefs and what their products really mean to you? There's so many different like stories and relationships. You know, we really look for, and you know, from the silverware to the ceramics to the glassware that we're using, the exact same way of like, when you go to a winery and you get to meet the winemaker and the owners and, you know, you're just so much more connected and it's the exact same way, right? So it really is on like, you know, the textures, the, the craftsmanship, the refinement of it, the, the level of how things are handmade. That's really what we look for. And so like every little thing that you pick up kind of have it has its own purpose. And so it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And just again, supporting those local businesses, those local craftspeople really does help just make the whole community even stronger. Beyond that, you do take bed and breakfast to a whole new level for your hotel guests. And so can you share more about the lavish in-room dining experiences and some additional offers there? Tributary and Okta are, is really is one of a kind. And so there, there, isn't, there isn't too many places that you can go, oh yeah, they do this or they do that. They're each their own thing, but they're each totally connected into this beautiful ecosystem that we're building here. And so with that kind of like welcoming home, staying here, and then there's this very progressive experience that connects you even closer to nature, we really wanted the amenities to kind of like reflect a lot of that and reflect, you know, what are some of the like the favorite things that we like to eat? And the, and the stuff that we have and how can we bring products in here done in the way that our breakfast experiences feels like it's so interconnected, but also feels like its own thing. And so it's bringing these beautiful farm products. It's like we bake all these baked goods out of a wood fired oven on the farm. We have a larder up there that everything's made from scratch, right? From vinegars to oils to, I mean, just wherever your imagination can go with like these cooking essentials we make there. And and here, specifically for our breakfast experience, is I'm a really big fan of like continental style breakfasts or like those Americano breakfasts where it's like, you know, just throw in front of me the best seasonal product that you have and I can just snack on it. And so that's what we do, but then we take it a little bit further Absolutely. The idea of tapas or small plates and just picking and choosing from so many different aspects is such a beautiful experience. Now turning to Okta itself, if we were to dine in good company at your adjoining restaurant and as you describe it, a progressive culinary experience, what is a reimagined dining experience like there? We reimagined based on, you know, who we are, what we have and what we can do, right? We talk a lot about like 
don't be someone else. Don't try to, what does the space offer us? What does the people offer us? What does the products offer us? And really be really true to that because the craftsmanship behind it and the artistry behind that kind of like has its guidelines and falls and flows and it really makes everything feel very unified. Do you ever feel like you wish you had access to certain products or produce that you might not have right there? At a place like Okta, we also look very abstract as well. And so we'll bring in like, even though we were hyper-focused on our farm and we're hyper-focused on these like seasons and then there's these mini seasons within seasons, but we also have like great connections around the world and with purveyors from all over. And so, you know, we start looking at some of our soil compounds that we have. It's very, it's very acidic, our soil, very almost like coffee. There's dark notes of, there's a lot of mushroom and there's a lot of mycelium in there. Right. There's a lot of like wild thistles that kind of grow. And so, you know, we create a dish for our summer menu, which is going to be also there's like sedimentary deposits underneath. Right. So it's old seabed. And so on our summer menu, we'll, we'll do a beautiful little tart with like braised kombu, a thistle mousse or like an artichoke mousse and then black truffles on top. And it's basically like kind of our expression of our dirt. But like some of the ingredients are not local in their form, but they're but they kind of encapsulate this abstract moment and also kind of like connects us to allowing us to like create our own rules as well. And to source from different ecosystems that are similar to yours and and seeing the similarities and sharing those best practices or those resources is very special. I like the angle that you take there. And the reality is is that you know like we are so connected through our larder and through the biology of our area and our region. It's like we look a certain way here. We dress a certain way here. It's like just like everywhere you go. But it's also about like promoting past. You know, it's all about promoting experiences, promoting other incredible ingredients as well. If we focus on our farm and limit our rules, you're going to have like expressions of different ingredients that you will never have, right? Like if we're looking at like fall product with incredible unique varieties of citrus, you're going to start eating things that don't exist anywhere. You're creating your own cuisine here through that. And so for us, it's really fun and special to do those things. Well, you're giving access to your guests to things that they wouldn't get otherwise. Exactly. Well, and you also do such a great job of highlighting your network within your hometown, your growers, makers, vintners. And so are there any in particular that you would like to mention or highlight there? Probably one of the most important people would be uh, like Lilith Rocket. She's our ceramicist. It was so funny. One day, I mean, this is, these are just like the crazy stories that you have, right? And that if you're not awake to see how the stories and where they're at, you're missing some really magical things that happen in the world. So, for instance, I was in Hillsburg, right? And that's where Sean and Katie, my partners, are from. And this was years ago. I walked into a store in the little town center, and there's these beautiful ceramics that were kind of unfinished on the outside, but they were porcelain and they were so refined 
that it really reminded me of my cooking, where my cooking is incredibly refined, but it's unfinished at some points, right? And so I started doing some research into who this individual was making these, and she happened to be living in Portland, Oregon. It's like, okay. And she happened to be living like not that far from where I was living. And so the ironic part of it, when I met Lilith, I, I happened to have been in New York for like the first month and I just moved. And I was like, I can't believe I had to find your product in California. I live pretty much down the street from you. And now I'm in New York and I'm going to have you do all my plateware for Atera at the time. And it was super unique because we just have like a lot of the same ethos and a lot of the same kind of uh, feelings. And so like that's probably like some kind of like friendship or connection through somewhere. And then now we turn it, you know, that was almost a decade ago that in the town where my partners are from here back in Oregon, working with Lilith and how Lilith just seamlessly just doesn't even have to try fits in. Like we should have just started here a long time ago. Wow. That's such a beautiful story. And to see that, that woven thread along the way, just bringing you back home is very special. Do you have a favorite season in the Willamette Valley? Can you tell us more about the produce, the weather, any celebrations or holidays during that time? I'll probably mention the season that we're going to jump into when you release this. And so it's our, we're moving in, we're going to be on our farm season. We're going to do it in three parts. We kind of call it like we're calling this first part, the Kindle, because a lot of our stuff is cooked in wood fire. And there's a lot of different phases and how you cook through there, just like how the sun interacts with the land. And so spring out here is really like, it's fast, it's furious, and it's really, really beautiful. And then it seems to like almost linger forever out here. And then one day you wake up uh, and you just realize like the cold weather is just not coming back. It literally happens in a day. And so that transitional period, it's a really intense and it's a very exciting period for this region. And so like our first few weeks based on our menu and our abstract concepts of our food will really be based on that. It truly is going to bed one day and it's overcast and cold to the next day, you're going to spend the next four months warm. It really is like buying a plane ticket to somewhere beautiful and tropical. There's no other place I've been where it's been so drastic in how it morphs and switches into summer. And it is really transformative. That sounds beautiful to really be able to appreciate and distinguish between the seasons allows for that moment of pause and appreciation. And so if our guests and listeners were planning a trip to the Valley, any tips for really how to enjoy the bounty of the views and the experiences there? So the best way to do it, and you know, of course I'm going to be really selfish is like, if you book at the tributary, you're going to work with our amazing concierges. You're going to work through our beverage director, Ron, uh, you're going to be working with our hotel manager, Ren, our general manager, Christine. They're just so deeply connected out here. And you, all you have to say is, like, I want to have X, Y, and Z. And, and we're going to make that happen. From going to, like, you know, depending on what kind of wines you like, what kind of activities you want to do. We're just kind of like, you know, you come here, like, as our family. And it's not our job. We really want to show off 
right? We want to show off, you know, it's like, we're so proud of this area that that's like even more exciting for us. Right. I mean, you can hear the passion in your voice. I can only imagine being there in person and hearing of all the ideas and the planning that can go into the perfect trip for each individual. And I'm sure each one is, is different. So that's so nice that you offer that additional service and support. Now, I'm sure I speak for both myself and our listeners in wanting to know what the future holds for you, your team, and your future guests. So what is next for both the hotel and the restaurant? What can future guests look forward to? We thought, because our seasons are very transcendent and they're very unique, that we really are starting to develop our hospitality, our food, our ethos really based around that, right? And so you'll see more of that. You'll also see more of us like trying and working on connecting our guests back to nature. You know, we really talk a lot and it seems to be kind of off of like holistic because it's wine and food and it's good, but it's holistic in the sense that it is connectedness, right? And so you'll see more of that for the future. For our farm, it's like we've expanded our farm. We're hyper uh, dedicated to regenerative farming. So our, our future is probably really based in the farm. Um, which is based in the soil, which is based on us like stewarding the land and coming together and trying to do our part to like, you know, fight climate change and do stuff like that. That's like really, really important. But other than that, it's it really is just staying with our roots. Absolutely. And so for you personally, what is next for you? Are there any additional projects you're working on or excited about? Or are you fully focused on everything you have going on in the Valley? I mean, right now, like we're redoing our, like trying to just do a farm is really, it has a lot of its challenges. No, I I think we have a lot of goals to the quality of food that we want. And that is like, we can't, we don't want to get distracted because really is once we feel when we're at that level, it's really going to kind of show off who we are. Why do something else when we still don't know who we are? But we also have other plans. Like we work on, like I said, we make these really incredible, beautiful products at the farm. We're expanding the farm. My goal would be to bring those into a space where people can also shop and buy and share these things. Also, just kind of like, you know, some of our bread and bakery programs that we have up here, we feel are very, very unique. And so there could be a project on the horizon for, for some of those things. Oh, how exciting. Again, all the more reason to keep coming back each season to experience something different. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany and drop us a note with where you're going and when. And we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Tributary Hotel, we've learned and grown in good company with you, Matt. And thus, I have a few final questions, what I'm calling a toast to table topics. Who would be a dream dinner guest, someone dead or alive that you'd like to enjoy a meal with? For me right now, I think it would be, uh, would be my mom. That's so special. Yeah. Very sweet. She, you know, she, she's not around to see this. I started my career very young. I left for Oregon very young. Being a chef like this, that's a lot of sacrifices. And so decades, 
you know, a family time gone. And so, yeah, like someone who was so supportive then to be able to like share this now, that would mean a lot. To cook her a home cooked meal in your new home, I'm sure it would be such a treat. Oh, I love that. Now, do you have a pet peeve when it comes to guests in your restaurant or hotel? I always love Wilga there as like a unreasonable hospitality, but my biggest pet peeve is like we really try to like look after everybody, especially for like their dietary stuff. And we communicate it, we call you, we send you emails, and every night someone at the table is like, oh, I happen to have this or that. It's like you're coming here, you know you want to have this great experience. Let us help you have this great experience because the product is not just made in the second you get here. It is planned for many, many months that lead up to this experience. I mean, it takes it takes many, many hands. It takes a lot of sacrifice from everybody that comes to there. And so that's probably my biggest pet peeve. You know, I'm a hospitality guy, so, like, I over-communicate. You're willing to ask the questions. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I have a tree nut allergy, so take note when I come visit. <laughs> Good to know, yes. <laughs> now, do you have a most embarrassing moment for you in the kitchen? Yeah, I mean, I think now I, pr- I probably do embarrassing stuff all the time, but, like, I'm, I'm a father of two kids, and I'm kind of like, well... You know, I think this is just my life. You know, when I was first starting out my kind of more advanced cooking career, I was in my early 20s and, you know, it was very common that I would get jobs that I was very underqualified for. And the very first day I was working at this place, it was in Southern California, this really well-known French chef goes... Okay, it's your first day. I want you to go to the walk-in, and then I want you to write the menu for tonight. And I'm like, I don't even know what the menu is. It's my first day. I was moving from from Oregon. I write the menu, and granted, I had these incredible ideas. I was going to do this stuffed short rib with chard and morel mushrooms on it. I was going to wrap them and braise them in red wine. And I did all this work, and I got it there, and I never turned the oven on. And so service times come, I go to pull them out and they're just sitting there raw. And I was like, I definitely learned my lesson to get my stuff together. Yeah. A a little attention to detail goes a long way. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, the next day, you know, and I was young, I was, uh, I think I was 22. You know, I went home that night. I I pulled out every single cookbook. I diagrammed the entire kitchen. I I learned about all these ingredients because, you know, we, we were about a mile from a farm called Chino Farms, which is world-renowned. And uh, yeah, that was the only one day. But after that, I, I, I didn't even sleep the next day and came back in. I was there earlier and it was pretty magical post that embarrassing moment. So we try, we teach this a lot. You have these like hard times and they're learning times. Absolutely. And so for you, what was the very first recipe you remember creating? So the very first recipe, I was actually, I think I was like 17. It was Skip, it's in Skip Bayless's cookbook. I I can't remember the exact name, but he does like mole negro. And I was working at the Southwestern restaurant in in Omaha, Nebraska. And I said, I don't know why someone was like, you should try to make a mole negro. And I was like, okay, sure, I can do it. And then the owner was like, you won't be able to make that. It's too hard of a recipe. 
Uh, there's like 60 ingredients that goes into it. And it was one of the most amazing things I, I've ever made. And I remember it to this day, the flavors, the difficulties. It just goes to show you that if you want memories, challenge yourself. Yeah, you're, you are certainly up for a good challenge. Yeah. And so is there another chef or restaurant concept that you would like to raise your glass to? I mean, there's so, like, especially out here, right? I mean, you got Gregory at Con. I mean, just like totally reinventing like the food scene in Portland. You have Vince from Berlue out here who's doing like modern Vietnamese take on food. And he comes from a very modern fine dining background. So it's like super exciting to see those guys like really change things up. And so a lot of inspiration all over the place. And there's so many different avenues of incredible hospitality and food now that it's definitely one of the more exciting times ever to be in this industry. There's space for everyone to play. I love that. Now, to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to book a stay at Tributary Hotel or a dining experience at Okta? If you look at Tributary Hotel, McMinnville, that will pop up. Come, stay, book. Uh, you can connect to the Okta website or through the Okta website. You can connect to the Tributary website as well at OktaOregon.com. So that's probably the best place to get us. Or, or go on social media, right? The Tributary, Okta, Oregon, at Okta, Oregon, and, and follow us. We'd really appreciate it. The more support we get by from all of all of you out there we can just kind of really shoot for our goals and our and our dreams right of this like interconnected future with nature people and animals absolutely i will be sure to link to all of that and to your point there's definitely so much that you share behind the scenes and to to visualize and to learn about uh until we can all visit there in person so thank you so much for joining us, Matt, and for giving us a taste of the future of food and hospitality that we can savor during a stay with you. Thank you all. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends.